The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Hello and welcome to another episode of Climate Matters. I'm Lindsay Wood, Director of Climate Strategy Company Resilience Limited and Climate Matters is brought to you by Fresh FM, the top of the South's community access radio station. Fresh FM broadcasts in Blenheim on 88.9, Eastern Golden Bay on 95.0, to the Nelson CBD on 107.2 and across the Nelson Tasman region on 104.8. It's also brought to stream to the planet on freshfm.net and podcasts of Climate Matters and of other locally produced shows are available through freshfm.net and through the accessmedia.nz app. Well, this is the last episode before the elections and we've had interviews with four uh, of the candidates, in fact, all four that uh, accepted interviews uh, or invitations to be interviewed. And so I'm going to do a wrap-up this time and do a little bit of a, an ad-libbing stock take of how I find the various interviews and the, and the party policies and so on, and just to give you my take on it for what it's worth. So just to give you a little bit of a lead-in, um, I made the decision to only interview actual um, regional candidates, not to interview list candidates. And the reason for that was that a, a party vote uh, might well support a party, but you don't know which candidate that's going to promote. And I wanted to hear from candidates that that were particularly focusing on the Nelson Tasman region. So we wound up interviewing Steve Richards, who was a Green Party candidate for a West Coast Tasman. We interviewed Rachel Boyack, who is, of course, the current Labour MP for Nelson. We interviewed Blair Cameron, who's the aspirant national MP for Nelson, and then also interviewed Jace Hobbs, who is the uh, Green Party candidate for Nelson. We, I didn't, I um, tried to get hold of Minister Damien O'Connor, who's uh, Labour's existing can, um, MP for West Coast Tasman, but I couldn't get hold of Damien. And the other candidates in the region, Chris Bailey, for example, for ACT, and Maureen Pugh for Labour for National in um, West Coast Tasman are both list candidates. So that's how the selection worked out. In the end, uh, I I think all the candidates presented themselves very well. They generally had a very good grasp of their own policy. I was interested that three of the four um, went some way, um, took a lot of liberties with the question to try and shoehorn in things they wanted to talk about rather than things I was asking about. The only one that I didn't have to keep dragging back to the question was actually uh, Steve Richards. So well done, Steve. Thank you for that. Um, In terms of uh, overall view, and I'm putting very much my climate hat on here, um, rather predictably, but um, I have to say a little bit sadly, the Green Party was the standout uh, climate favorite from my point of view. And to be honest, Rachel Boyack did pretty well but the Labour Party, in my view, their policies um, have fallen more and more by the wayside from a climate point of view. National Party, their policies essentially are business as usual. And I'm sorry, I'm going to be hard-nosed here, regardless of how good or not their candidates are, their policies suck from a climate point of view. Their transport policy sucks. Their agricultural policy is soft. 
etc. So having said that, let's now go to the different candidates and how I found them. And I will um, I will deal with them just in the order I've just given them. So Steve Richards um, was impressive with his not only his historical knowledge of Green Party policy and able to trace that through not only to the present policy, but the fact that it was often the genesis of policies that were now being proposed by other parties. He also tracked back into areas like, um, for example, the Welsh Commission for the Future and how that had was a, a, a great model to follow with having um, significant clout. And for example, he, he drew a line between there and the Climate Change Commission in New Zealand and said our Climate Change Commission should actually have the sort of powers that the Welsh Minister for the Future has in order to have, sorry, Commissioner for the Future to have um, decision-making powers. And, and an interesting example he gave of the the way the the Commissioner for the Future puts a climate lens over everything, there's a lot of talk about it, but here's an example of it happening in Wales that I, I think I've got the numbers right, that they proposed 53 new highways that were to be built in Wales and about 51 of them failed the climate test. So there are only a couple of highways that stood up to being under scrutiny under a climate situation. Apply that to labor. We're going to have more highways. We're going to have tunnels. Apply it to national, and their 14 highways, and national and labor are both pushing for a HOPE bypass. The, the only uh, transport policy that didn't advocate more highways and so on was actually the Green Party. Jace Hobbs understood that we had to get fewer people in cars. Rachel Boyack did to a degree. She advocated that we had to, if we had to have the bypass, we had to take steps to avoid having a more uh, traffic in cars, and she talked about a further improvement in the buses and a feather in Rachel's cap as she's been one of the great, uh, the main protagonists in getting our newly revolutionized bus service. So well done, Rachel. She also talked about using things like T2 and T3 lanes for reducing the amount of private transport. For those that don't know what those are, they are lanes that give priority to, for example, uh, cars with two passengers in or cars with three passengers in and penalize low-occupancy vehicles. Um, Jace Hobbs was very strong on that area too. So uh, well done them. Um, Blair Cameron, I'm, I have to say, Blair answered the question on his environmental credentials very well. He obviously walked the talk in some areas there. However, when we came to questions, uh, for example, on the Hope Bypass and how he might or his party's policy might ensure that we didn't get more emissions because of induced traffic, which is a normal outcome of an extra urban arterial. Um, he, he, <laughs> he talked around that question considerably, and I think on the third time I brought him back to it, he basically didn't say, I don't know, but he basically said, we're going to have more development at the end of them. So I'm sorry, but that doesn't stack up in a climate sense, uh, Blair. Um, and and so National haven't scored any particular um, brownie points in that department. Uh, Labour a bit in the middle. They they want to build the highway. They They think they can do it without adding to emissions. But of course, if you take the steps that they're talking about with T2, and T3 lanes and so on. In other words, penalizing low occupancy vehicles, 
then that in itself might be a key step to not needing the flyover because if you get the the um the private vehicles off the road or a, a big portion of them then of course there's a whole sea change in the in the traffic uh, dimensions and particularly as highway building is no, I'll rephrase that particularly as the pressure for extra arterial highways around cities comes from rush hour traffic that comes from people traveling almost all on their own in cars why the devil should the public purse pay a fortune for expanding roads just so that people can sit in them on their own with three empty seats beside them it's a nonsense and inefficiency it's a nonsense in fiscal policy and the thing is that actually we have to get our heads around getting people out of their cars fewer cars is the key particularly to the Nelson Tasman region where 94% of our household emissions comes from our private car use that is pretty well the highest in the world i want to talk a bit about agricultural policy um and i didn't talk to um the labor about that to Rachel Boyack but i did challenge both steve richards of the greens and blair cameron of national i challenged them in different ways the greens policy on agriculture says quite a lot about getting a shift in what we grow on the land away from basically animal farming if you like and i wanted to know from steve how that was going to be achieved in a we might call it a just transition way that made it not too penalizing for particularly for stock farmers who are the ones who were perhaps going to be most affected steve in fairness did talk about a lot about the need to communicate but to be honest i don't think the greens had an answer for that one but if we dial into uh, nationals agricultural policy most of their policies were conspicuous by I'll, I'll dial back labor and national climate policies were both conspicuous by being very fragmented and hard to put together and you almost had to pick up incidental publications to find them with the exception that national obviously thought it was worth putting together some sort of coherent agriculture policy about reducing emissions and in that policy they made the comment along the lines of they were going to ensure that their methane targets were such that there was no additional warming from agriculture now i'm sorry national no additional warming from agriculture sucks agriculture is 49% of our emissions and actually blair said that wasn't really what they meant he said oh no they would be reducing emissions but the point is that they they don't seem to have a strategy for doing it and all of the national emissions reduction things where we'll get to net zero by 2050 that's a long way away it's a very challenging journey we've got to get started i didn't get any sense that national had a plan for starting that instead i think they had a plan for business as usual um we've got to have i mean i think blair cameron's comment about the hope bypass for example was it was absolutely necessary well it's only absolutely necessary if you pander to all the people driving on their own in cars and it's time we got our heads around that as being an obsolete model um labor was a bit in the middle as i said on that area um their 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 climate policy I had to struggle to find it I pulled it out of some of their newsletters and things um na- um and in, in fairness in the greens climate policy and they have a lot of climate policy 
but it's very aspirational. I was hoping to find more in the Greens policy about these are the exact things we will be doing um, rather than this is what we hope to achieve. So a little bit of a frustrating journey, but not a totally disappointing one. I think um, no surprises from the way I've been talking, but broadly speaking, um, the Greens were way out on their own in terms of having a a coherent understanding of it and be a vision for it. Uh, Labour was in the middle. I think Rachel Boyack herself is actually very much in the right space, and and good on you, Rachel. Um, But I think the Labour, as I said at the beginning, their own policies and so on have have got progressively weaker from a climate point of view as they pander to the middle and so on. At National, I have to say, um, Blair Cameron came across well to me as a candidate. I think it's a great pity he's shackled to National's policy, actually. And so he sounded to me more like someone who was sort of reciting policy that I wasn't sure that he believed in. I think he probably understood it, and I think he's obligated to recite it. But he was promoting policy that, in my view, doesn't stack up at all from a climate policy point of view. So there we have it. We're reaching the end of this. This is a, a wrap-up from me uh, on, on the pre-election. Maybe most of you have already cast your votes, but if you rate climate as an important issue in our in our present era, and goodness me, if you don't, I don't know what you're doing listening to this show, but if you do rate climate um, as an important issue, then I think really there's there's no choice but to try and get a, the Greens with a serious presence in Parliament. Now, um, Jace Hobbs, for example, was explicit. He said even though he's standing as an electorate candidate, he actually wants the party vote to go green. He's He doesn't have any real hopes of getting in to Parliament. And I think the next best from that point of view is to vote for Rachel Boyack herself. Um, and I'm sorry, Blair, even though I enjoyed interviewing you and I think you came across as well as a person, I'm sorry, but I really I have to put my climate hat on and say I hope that it's not national that represents the Nelson-Tasman area. On that note, I'm going to leave you to it. I'm, we'll, we'll all be interested by the end of this week on what the uh, results will be. And uh, in the meantime and after the elections, please... Kia kaha for the climate. The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show, first broadcast on Fresh FM with support from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details.